Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag NBA. Chris Paul, Michelle Roberts has been explaining to players, the agent, players' agents have been talking about it. Some players have been talking to other players about it, that, that if the league doesn't come back this year, there are certain economic realities that would certainly might create pretty dramatic change, and it would put next season in jeopardy. There's no question about that. That's Woj. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski right there on the financial impacts of not playing this season. There are 100 NBA players on a call Friday night. And there was uh, a lot of opinions, a lot of people who had questions, concerns. Because there were at least a few people who don't want to play. Uh, the quote from the uh, Players Association Executive Director, Michelle Roberts, it's not a question of play or not play. It's a question of does playing harm a movement that we absolutely unequivocally embrace? And then whether our play can, in fact, highlight, encourage, and enhance the movement. That's what they're talking about. They're not fighting about it. They're talking about it. Woj on the money that could be lost. $300 million for 88 games, 88 regular season games in Florida. More money on the playoffs in Florida. And then his point uh, that Woj just made, there could be impacts next season. It could impact the season. So the owners could lock out the players, declare force majeure. It could cost the players money next year. And then they negotiate a new CBA and theoretically – Players can walk away with 40 or 45% of the basketball-related income instead of the 50 they're currently getting. So when they say there are a lot of financial implications, it's a lot of financial implications. i got to believe they're going to play. It's too much money. Yeah, one word, China. They've, they've already shown the stripes on this, so I'm not worried. And for those of you who aren't following that, they're going to take the money because they took the money in China instead of backing the people who were protesting in the streets in Hong Kong. That's a great movement, as long as it's not taking any money out of my wallet. (laughs) Haven't they already proven it? Yes. And this is a massive amount of money and the ability to play next season. You know, there's a certain number of players in the union who rotate in and out of the league every year. You lose the end of this season, the start of next season, how many guys are saying goodbye to their career? I don't know what the math is on that. Uh, 10 to 20%, I would think. There's also uh, five guys who will not be out of the league because they're eligible for extensions. They're on their rookie contract, but they're eligible for extensions as soon as this season's over. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, Kyle Kuzma in that class, Jason Tatum's in that group. Tatum will certainly get paid a ton of money by the Celtics. Uh, They're members of the 2017 draft class. They're eligible for extensions. They're talking about... uh, the league putting in insurance allowances for players so in case there's a career-threatening injury with the resumption of the season, they get paid. We talked about this on TV. That doesn't sound like a deal-breaker. That sounds like a, a detail that can be ironed out one way or another. Yeah, I'm not sure how that's any different than any other time. I mean, get insurance if that's what you want. Yeah, it seems to me it's different two ways, and they conflict. One is they're playing fewer games because they're not going to play the full 82-game schedule. So that would seem less chance... And then does the starting, stopping, starting somehow put you at risk? I think they're starting up against slow enough that it doesn't. But if these guys are worried that it does, it seems like they can cut a deal. Well, every year they start and stop and start and stop and start again. 
DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. So BYU getting a transfer from UVU, a former Oklahoma State Cowboy. Brandon Averett will be on his third school and BYU putting together another, what, add, add basketball players, add water, stir, insta-team. You were bringing up the get old, stay old quote that this is just, it's just a new reality. It strikes us as odd. We haven't seen as many transfers landing with the local teams. We've seen them leave teams, but we haven't seen that many landing with local teams. And this new BYU coaching staff, uh, they're, get, they're getting after it in the transfer market. Yeah, and a lot of them have been UVU players that the staff had a relationship with because the bulk of the staff came from UVU. Now, in a year or two, that'll take care of itself, and there won't be anybody at UVU who went there with the intention to play for Mark Pope and his staff. So it's somewhat unusual right now in the short term over the medium term that will fade away. So what does that mean? Now, that has nothing to do with the big kid from Purdue. We understand that. Uh, so thing about this is once you go down this path, this is a new way. And so if they want to stay old, they're going to have to be committed to doing this. And it seems like they are because it's like once you start going down the path of recruiting the players who are one and done, well, then you have to continue to do that because you have to replace those because obviously they're going to leave after one season. So they're getting them on the back end. And so they're basically one and done for them. And are they committed to that? Well, it seems like in the short term, they are committed to that. And, and it worked, paid off for them last year. Although, you know, they did have a fair amount of decent returning players. Don't, don't forget that. So I don't know how it's going to mesh as well compared to last year because they did have a couple of seniors coming off the bench who played vital roles for them and they had Hawes and Childs who were basically three, four-year starters, three-year starters going into their senior year. So that mix worked very well. But it certainly is intriguing and it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I think to your point that and maybe this is just me being old school and not adapting to 2020, which is just looking way different than 2015. But there was a core of guys in a program. Dave Rose talked about program players. And so then you add a couple of transfers. You know, Barcelo comes in from Arizona. Toulson comes in from UVU. They play important roles. But there's a core of guys already there. Are they going to have that? Because the core guys who were there have been there a long time, were really important. You know what Haas brought, you know what Childs brought, and then there were other guys as well. But are they going to have that core? Are they really – is this going to look like – well, I guess Kentucky would be the obvious easy example where you bring in one-and-dones, but they're – and Duke's been doing it a lot lately too in Arizona – but there you're bringing in freshmen. Here you're bringing in guys who are one-and-done in grad transfers, but they're seniors. Yeah, that's what I said. Or is there going to be this core of guys coming up? I mean, do you see who the next Childs and Hawes is? In the program right now? Yeah, I don't. It doesn't mean they aren't there, but I couldn't Well, identify. I mean, they had a couple of guys that redshirted that didn't play, so I, I don't know how good they're yeah. going to be. I, I think in the end, if you've got talent, no matter what talent the class is, or if they're for one year or three years, it really doesn't matter. A talent is what's going to win your ball games, and they're looking to accumulate as much talent as possible. So I think that's the issue. Do they have talent to get themselves to the NCAA tournament? That's the bottom line. They get the NCAA tournament, then it's a successful season. And do they have the talent to get there? On paper, it looks like they do. 
Whether they do or not, I'm not sure because there's three, four guys that, that are new to the program that I haven't seen. Then you combine some other guys there. How does it all mesh together? That's what I'm saying. It makes it very intriguing and fun to be able to watch when we get to that point. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Well, I'm lucky to have uh, great assistants that, uh, that just uh, bust their tail, and they like being here, so we've been able to keep guys here. Clark Hunt sets it up that way, and, uh, you know, there's a family atmosphere to it. So some of these guys are younger guys that got some kids, and, and in this time, right now, just like you said, when uh, things where time is of the essence, it's great to have everybody coming back. That's Andy Reid, the Chiefs coach, abbreviated offseason, obviously. He thinks the continuity will make a difference. He's got a quarterback who's 4-1 and one in the playoffs and a core group of guys around the quarterback as well who are 4-1 and one in the playoffs the last two years. They have played a lot of high-level football and done really well, and that offense hasn't been held under 31 points in a playoff game yet. So, yes, it's continuity. It's also a ton of talent. Can they cash in with another deep playoff run? Can they go back-to-back? How much does the offseason impact all of that? Andy thinks they've got an edge. I think the edge is the quarterback. I don't think the offseason matters because everyone's playing under the same rules in the offseason, so I don't know that it's going to impact them more than any other team. Even a team that's bringing in a new quarterback or a team that's bringing in a new coaching staff? Those teams aren't competing with what the Chiefs are trying to compete for. The other NFL news over the weekend, Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield plans to kneel during the national anthem this upcoming season to support protests of social injustice, police brutality, and racism. He says, if I lose fans, that's okay. I've always spoken my mind, and that's from the heart. Texas star J.J. Watt also spoke out in in response to a person tweeting that he's pretty sure Watt wouldn't kneel during the anthem. Watt said, A, don't speak for me. B, if you still think it's about disrespecting the flag of our military, clearly you haven't been listening. Well, J.J., clearly you haven't been listening because, for me, it is. I'm going to keep going back to that. For you, it may not and that's fine. But I saw somebody on Twitter, a, a woman who lost her husband, uh, a veteran, and she tweeted at uh, Breeze, Mayfield, and Watt and said, this is the flag they gave me when my husband died. So may not be for you, but it is for somebody over here. And if we have to allow these folks over here to say it's not, I don't see why we can't allow those folks over here who say that it is. I'm curious, when does it move beyond the protesting and there's actually change? I mean, the protesting is there to get everybody's attention. It seems like everybody's aware. Maybe they like it, maybe they don't like it, but it seems like everybody's aware. I saw Colorado, the Colorado legislature had a proposal put together. I mean, it seems like it's time to either do stuff or not do stuff it seems like the awareness after three straight weeks of protest is pretty high well you want uh, what, what is stuff we're looking to improve the lives of individuals right yeah that the whole goal here yeah well then it's up to the individual to improve his or her life you can protest all you want but if joe and mary if they're not motivated to make their lives better and the system doesn't allow them or allows them to make it better, it's not going to happen. You can burn as many police cars and make burn as many Wendy's as you want. But in order for change to happen, the individual's got to look at himself in the mirror and says, I'm, I'm going to better myself here. I'm going to do what I can. Then maybe you can see some progress. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. 
Ohio State football players and their parents were asked to sign an acknowledgement of risk waiver regarding COVID-19 before returning to campus for voluntary workouts last week. And Houston had six players test positive and shut down their voluntary workouts. PK, when you have to sign waivers before you can return for the voluntary workouts, doesn't that bring up what the Oklahoma uh, head coach Lincoln Riley was saying? How voluntary is this? We'll call it voluntary, but you better be here. Well, Gene Smith, the athletic director at Ohio State, said it's pledged. It's not a binding legal document. That's interesting to see exactly what it is. Why call it a waiver? Doing it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, what a pledge. A pledge is a pledge, and a waiver is a waiver. So we're we're kind of muddying up the language here. One needs different from the other. So what is it? It's 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 it's. Dealing some plain language. Let's have honest talk. That's my big thing. Let's have real honest talk. Not just partial honest talk, but real honest talk. Real is honest. Is this a waiver or is it a pledge? <laughs> real honest talk. That's a waiver and it's a legal document. A pledge? Man, if you told me to sign that, my mind goes straight to I'm not going to be able to sue Ohio State if something goes horribly wrong. Liability. Yet. Well, I mean, dying. I mean, Dave, Dr. Petron came on and said there's like a $300 million Yep. one chance that someone of their age group would die. Yep. That, that's pretty good odds. I think I would take them. Right. In which case, why have them sign anything? It's just a pledge. Why not? <laughs> I guess. Colorado State football player working for a roofing company in Loveland, Colorado, was ordered to the ground and held at gunpoint by 65-year-old Scott Gunmanson, who thought he and the co-worker were Antifa. They were wearing roofing company Shirts. The police came and arrested 65-year-old Scott Gudmanson, booked him on felony charges of menacing and false imprisonment. His son says that uh, the 65-year-old is now uh, having his mental health uh, assessed. PK, that was the weird story of the weekend, and obviously that would be terrifying. Yeah, I I don't know if these stories are ever going to go away. I mean, I had some friends, a couple of friends in high school that were pulled over and held it, I had put on the ground. And one guy was in my wedding and had a gun pointed at his head because there was in the area a group of young te- uh, teenagers, young people, and they fit the description. And they were literally dragged out of the car, put down on the ground, and a gun held to their heads. These things are going to happen. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Man, you know what? If, if baseball doesn't come back, I'll just I'll go play for the I'll go play for the Eagles. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's Bryce Harper's backup plan. Although the commissioner says there's a 100 percent chance it'll be baseball. Man, go play for the Eagles. I did not know that Bryce Harper had musical talent. Well done. <laughs> I was too locked yeah, in on PJ, sports. It did, it did take a second there. <laughs> he can, when Yach's like, well done, I'm like, oh, that's neat. He, he looked at me like, what is he what talking is he about? Talking about? <laughs> Those eagles. Welcome to the Hotel, Hotel. Las Vegas. <laughs> uh, Major League Baseball reached a billion-dollar deal with Turner Sports, according to the New York Post. Give the... Broadcast company continued rice here playoff games, including one of the league's championship series. Length and terms of the deal have not been reported. You know, the, when you're when you're in a negotiation with a union, you really don't want the billion dollar news breaking. That was not the perfect timing. 
On the other hand, for all the people who think the sport is going away, there's a billion-dollar contract for a handful of games, a couple division series and a league championship series. There's a well, the only thing I could think of on that is with the length of the deal, it's got to be about 50 years. I mean, that's a lot of money for them just to do the postseason. Yep. I don't think it's 50 years. Not even all of the postseason. (laughs) No, not all of it, no. And they don't get the big prize, the World Series. They get one of the two league championship series. Yeah, the World Series is a Fox entity, right? Right, yeah. And they'll get some division series and maybe a couple wild card games in there, too. I don't know how that'll be broken up until yeah, they get out of the Yeah, I, I think also, too, they have a smattering of regular season games, don't they? Yeah. So, yeah, but that, man, that's good news for the players, though. I mean, they're going to receive a, a fair share, and they already do. I mean, baseball players, man, you got guys guaranteed money in the 30 millions. And you're supposedly a sport that's tanking <laughs> and doesn't have under anybody under 87 who's interested in watching it. So and they got they got some sweet deals too. And Zach Greinke making 35 million dollars to, to play every five days. That's not a bad deal. Live programming matters. Everybody's streaming and time shifting other stuff and blowing through commercials. But the live programming is a different beast. We all sit there and watch the commercials. So people will pay for it. All right. Uh, also, there's a letter from uh, Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred to the Yankees addressing a 2017 investigation on what is believed to be a bigger sign-stealing scandal than originally reported. Uh, the Red Sox and Yankees at that point both thought the other team was cheating with electronic sign-stealing, apparently. So New York judge uh, ruled it should be unsealed. The team's got to provide a redacted letter by today at noon. This, this sounds like some kind of reality TV show. But it's not going to be made public to us until, like, I think it's like the 19th, which is Friday. 19th's the deadline, yeah. Yeah. So the Yankees are going to file an emergency appeal. They say, no, it's not a smoking gun on the sign stealing, but it could really harm our reputation, which has, you know, all of New York running. What the heck's in that letter? So drama, PK. We wait it out. We see if the lawyers can keep it quiet. I assume they can. The good stuff never goes public. Uh, it doesn't really matter to me. I'm a sports fan. I'm not a lawyer fan and all that stuff. I've said that a million times. DJ and PK. Has the hands on the club. Slight forward press. Throws that ball up. And he missed it. Oh, he missed it. From three feet away, Kalamora Kawa has missed it. And that means that Daniel Berger is the winner of the Charles Schwab Challenge. He collects 500 FedEx Cup points. Berger is back, and so is the PGA Tour. Golf. PGA returns with the Charles Schwab Challenge at the Colonial Country Club at PK. There are a half dozen guys within three shots of the lead who'd won majors. There were big names, but McElroy and Smith and the rest of them can't get it done. There were some very short, there were some very long putts made in that tournament, and there were some very short putts missed in that tournament. Uh, yeah, obviously Spieth missed a bunch. Uh, I thought it was ironic, man. I opened up uh, my f- carton of food that I got and I bit into a burger just as Daniel Berger hit a great shot. And I said to my wife, he's going to win. I'm watching Burger while eating a burger. And that's really what it comes down to? That's it? That's and sure enough, <laughs> came to pass. The tech- So Johnny, Johnny Hot Dog next week, man, or whenever they get back. When do they get back? It's going to be uh, Johnny Hot Dog is going to be the guy to watch. If I'm eating a hot dog when he's playing on Sunday. Not Bobby Pasta? 
I don't. I, no, I don't eat pasta. No. Really? I don't know what pasta is. <sighs> spaghetti. It's not a term. No. Linguine. It's lasagna. Yeah. It's lasagna. That, that's 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 a hamburger. Rigatoni. Right. That's macaroni. All right, DJ and PK, that's what's trending. Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up, we're going to talk some golf. Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio on the restart of the PGA Tour at 830. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider at 9 o'clock. And Brandon Averett, the BYU senior guard, grad transfer from UVU. He's going to join us at 930. Stay with us. Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Some friends of mine asked me to play baseball, and they were a year younger, so they told me I had to bat left-handed, and uh, I hit a grand slam. Not a chance, Listen, I swear to you, this is true. Not a chance! You guys have trust issues. I wonder why. (laughs) I got a letter from Casey Case. I said I'm a fan. I didn't get an invitation to go to the Playboy Mansion. I got taught how to play polo by Juice Newton. The stories that I tell are 99.5%, 100% factual. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes Your Toast is brought to you by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical, always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing and your satisfaction guaranteed. Master Electrical will light up your day. Question of the day, should NBA players not play this summer to advance their social justice cause? Got a wide range of opinion on this, as expected, PK. And uh, Colton, we'll let him bat lead off. You ready for this one? I don't care yes, what they, I am. I don't care what they do off the court. I wish they'd just cancel the season and start the new one on time in October. Oh, yeah, sure. It's not his money. Of course he <laughs> thinks that. <laughs> I mean, if we went and took his job and said, okay, you're, we'll, we'll catch you uh, next January here. So you're not going to get paid until then because we need some time to regroup. <laughs> he would say, well, wait a second here. <laughs> yeah. So it's easy for Colton to say because he's not uh, having to put foot the bill or lose millions of dollars out of his paycheck. I assume he's also in the minority in that whenever they do play, you know, assuming they start July 30th in Florida, that they're going to be monster TV ratings for this, that a lot of people are looking forward for some sports to watch and will be right back as soon as the NBA is. Will it be under bizarre circumstances? Absolutely. Neutral court NBA games are bizarre circumstances. But it's not going to matter. People are going to be back. Well, yeah. I, I, to what degree, though? Uh, because... Uh, you're not trying to just get good ratings. You're trying to get the maximum. Everything is the maximum. Whatever you can get, you want the most of. And I think that they've got to be careful on this social justice thing because to some degree, it's turning people off. And you see with the NFL, okay, if somebody like Baker Mayfield, who actually was chased by police now that I recall, wasn't he? Uh, didn't he Correct. have some issue yes. uh, a while back? <laughs> so, Evading police. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, if he comes out and says that, and J.J. Watt says it, well, that's going to turn some people off. And they vow not to watch. Uh, so what would be the NBA? If, I, if that's happened in the NFL, 
Well, I have to assume that's going to happen in the NBA, too, because what's the difference? The principle being the same. Now, for me, I watch the NFL. I didn't miss any games. For me, I'll watch the NBA. I'm not going to miss any games. But for some folks, they're absolutely turned off by certain forms of protest. That's Steve. Steve is sick of the whole thing. Personally, couldn't care less if they canceled the season. So, turned off, sick of the whole thing. Yes, uh, but back to your original point, uh, you know, he's not going to get paid or not paid if they play or cancel the season. Right, but that person has the opportunity not to participate and watch. So, yeah, are they going to get massive ratings? Well, ratings are all relative. If there's other ratings out there that you're not getting, that's what you want. Russell says, I don't care what the NBA does. That's a rare listener for us. I think most of our listeners care a lot what the NBA does. Well, indifference is something that you don't want, for sure. You know, the old uh, apathetic... uh, (laughs) Love me or hate me, (laughs) don't ignore me. Yeah, and so you, you don't want that. So if he doesn't care, well, that's somewhat concerning, depending on how much he had cared earlier. If you lose a carer, that's worse than someone who never cared to begin with. Jim says, I think they should play in China. See, I see what you did there, Jim. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting on that. They had their chance to be woke about something that's a little harder to be woke about. Didn't impact them directly. And they didn't. But here, they want to be woke. And and, and if you are aligned with them, you are woke. And if you're not, you're probably labeled as a racist or whatever it might be. Uh, So uh, that's interesting. Interesting there. I think the idea of uh, Dwight Howard, wasn't he the latest? Didn't he say something yesterday? he did. About, is this going to take away from the cause of social justice? That's an interesting question. You know, is it going to take away? Is it going to augment it? Is it going to reduce it or maybe even bring more to the spotlight? And then what does all this stuff, as you said, going on, what does it matter in the end? You know, what what's going to change lives? Because if, if we don't have police brutality, and everyone, I would think, is against police brutality. I'm, I'm, maybe not, but I would think most reasonable folks would be against police brutality. So if we eliminate all police brutality, which probably is never going to happen, but just for argument's sake, that it is eliminated, and we've got police, every single one of them, man, woman, no matter what they look like, they're doing the right policing That can save a few lives. There's no question about that. But how about improving lives? Because I think that's, it's not just about defunding the police. Isn't it about making lives better, making people happier, making them uh, more fulfilled? And, and, you know, the the quote-unquote American dream there. I would think most people want a, a piece of that. You know, you're here for a short time, relatively speaking, and you want to have a prosperous life. So how is this movement helping folks have prosperous lives? 
Well, that's a deeper question than we usually analyze on this show. Yeah, but, but, see, but if we I, want real discussion, we got to have real discussion. I think that if you're going to, uh, you know, I think the key phrase is systemic racism. So, you know, what is part of the system that needs to be changed so that individuals can flourish? You know, and to your earlier point, individuals are still going to have to flourish, right? But is there a system that prevents them from flourishing? What, what are the elements of that system and what has to be changed? Now, the, yeah, the yeah, relationship yeah. between the police and the public and safety and police brutality, that's, a, that's one thing. You know, but is there tax policy that needs to change? Is there uh, um, education policy that needs to change? Is that, well, I ought to go back to the legal system. You know, uh, surveys will say that the entire legal system treats people of different races differently. And the police are just, you know, the front end of that system. But you get into a courtroom. You go to what the actual laws are. You know, is drug policy going to change? I mean, we're seeing the country debate that one state at a time uh, with marijuana laws, right? Colorado, Washington, there's probably a handful of others. I don't know. Um, and there's other states thinking about it and discussing it and people. So there's all these elements that have to change. And I probably barely scratched the surface right there because it's not really what I do. But how does what's happening now impact all of those decisions? And how long does it take for all of those decisions to play out? I would think reading what some players said, and there's probably more out there from more players that I didn't see. But the two guys who really jumped out at me were Dwight Howard, who was saying, if we play, we distract from all these things that need to be done. And Austin Rivers came out and said, well, it's easy to say don't play if you've made the really big money that you know Dwight Howard made at one point in his career or that Kyrie Irving's making in his career. You know, A lot of players haven't made that kind of money and need to play. So there's that. He said, plus, there's the platform. And we've had several listeners post about that, that if you're playing, I mean, the reason we know who these guys are is because they're NBA players. You know, the NBA is the platform that separated them from thousands of other people. I guess millions of other people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you can leave the platform briefly, and that calls attention because you're not where you normally are, doing what you're normally doing that society expects you to do. Uh-huh. But in the long run, if you're not on the platform, then do you just become uh, another guy? You know, whereas, you know, what's on your shoe doesn't matter. But if you write something on your shoe and you're on TV playing basketball, it matters because TV's going to take a shot of it. Or the yeah. warm-up jersey, because we've seen them wear, you know, T-shirts uh, before, you know, I can't course, breathe, or Black Lives Matters, or whatever else. Uh, you're going to be interviewed before and after games. Because you're a celebrity in a culture that really, really wants to hear from celebrities. We say we don't, but we do. Every time they talk, we still react to it, whether we like it or not. You know, we react positively or negatively. So why abandon the microphone and the camera that's going to get your message, whether your message is about police brutality or about uh, bigger issues about the legal system? Or about uh, the right to vote. We've heard LeBron is in on that, right? We've seen long lines in Georgia and Wisconsin in elections in the last couple months. So what about the right to vote? What about access to good education? What about housing discrimination? I mean, there, there's a lot of issues to talk about. 
and maybe you do something and maybe you don't, maybe you do something big and maybe you do something revolutionary and maybe you tweak around the edges and all that's going to be ironed out. Well, if you're a basketball player, you're in front of the microphone and camera and you get to weigh in on that stuff. Now, you may irritate people and alienate some fans along the way, but if you're into the cause, you don't really worry about that. You and can't please everybody. Right. And it's also like what you say, and, and, and players and owners will come down in different spots on this, but, you know, you can make a lot of money, but you can always get another rating point. You know, you can always make another million dollars. Uh, we saw it in baseball with the owners who are billionaires. Now, maybe they don't have a lot of cash. Maybe they've got a lot of assets and, you know, things are a little tight with the cash flow right now. Not that anybody wants to hear that, but why else would billionaire owners be going to minor league baseball players and saying you can't have 400 bucks a week? Now, it's a bad look, and a couple teams have, have flipped on that, but, you know, Oakland and Washington were in that. There may have been other teams who saw what happened in Oakland and Washington and thought, okay, let's not blurt that out in the public square. Well, I think that it's a great opportunity to actually further the cause. This is my opinion, and I could be totally wrong. And when it comes to a lot of social issues and issues that matter, I tend to be totally wrong, so it wouldn't be the first time. But you just look at the golf yesterday. They had a number of African Americans coming on and speaking in the one-minute deal and uh, during uh, either coming out or going in a commercial. I forget what it was. Uh, James Brown, Clark Kellogg, uh, Lisa Leslie, uh, just the three that come to mind. And then they would talk about it. They'd have 60 seconds, and then they would tell us uh, their feelings about that. And you can have that uh, would be out there and to be able to do that. So I actually think it would further the cause. uh, But who am I to say I'm not – leading the cause here, obviously. Well, it's what you my, said. But it's I what, thought it would work. It's what I, and I think you're right, and I think that's what Austin Rivers was saying, and maybe others too, but I just read yeah. Austin's quotes, and it just kind of it resonated with me. So, Well, I'm not going to tell anybody that they can't work and take money out of your wallet. I mean, forget that. <laughs> that that's just never, or never. The, the opportunity to work is crucial, and I'm not going to tell anybody. I don't want anybody to get laid off. I don't want anybody to get fired. Uh, furloughed, any form of that, however you feel like that. The thing that I thought that, it's, it's, this is always, and I have a simple mind here, and it's always fascinated me that the systemic stuff that you brought up with all these things, and everything you just brought up is legitimate. So the overlying theme is the system is holding a group of people down. But the folks who were telling us on the golf yesterday Their products are the same system, but yet they flourished. So how does one man, one woman, who grows up in the same situation, or relatively same speaking, that they use that system to flourish? And I didn't realize, well, yeah, Clark Kellogg is 6'8", and Lisa Leslie. I actually saw her her in high school. But I've got friends who are 5'8", 205 pounds. So they're not athletically talented. And they're African-American. And they've succeeded. I've got a close friend whose brother has been in a prison the whole, his whole adult life, and he has flourished to the highest degrees. And they came from the same household. So how does the system hold down one, hold down, but the other uses it to his or her advantage and flourishes? I don't have any answers to this by any stretch. Zero answers. No idea. But I'm fascinated to how... Some of them succeed 
in similar circumstances. And we've seen that. And that's across all sorts of uh, colors. It's not particular to any particular color. Because you can take a family of whomever and have they have four kids. And one of them can be uh, all sorts of trouble. And then the other three are on top of the world. We've seen that. We're aware of that. We know that. I have a neighbor in that exact same situation, and he's Caucasian. So it's really not specific to anything. We've seen some, you know, that they refer to it, what, it's the black sheep of the family? I mean, isn't that the expression? Meaning that that person isn't doing uh, isn't doing well. You you look at Bronco. Bronco Mendenhall talked about how he had the one brother who was a hippie, so to speak, and, you know, he did all these things. And Bronco toes the line when it comes to the Latter-day Saint religion, right? And Bronco would say about that, well, and that that's just a small example. Not that the one who doesn't toe the line to the religion is bad. That's not the point. That's not the point at all. The point is you, you have two you have brothers from the same parents, but yet they took two drastically different paths. One isn't better than the other. That's not the point. It's just that they've gone down two different roads. You wouldn't know that they came from the same family. And that's always fascinated to me how that plays out. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. What are you watching? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. You know I was babysat until 8th grade. Dolores Arnold used to babysit me every day after school. And Dolores? Her husband. Yeah. Look at he got like 220-pound 8th grade hands. Would Can we not focus on that? You're like, hey, Dolores. Hi, Hans. I think it's funny the thought of an 8th grade Hans Olsen probably pushing two bills. He's <laughs> sitting in and being babysat. You guys let me know when you're done so I can finish my story. Tell us more about Dolores. Anyways, her husband, Don, liked MASH. Sitting next to Don on the couch, watching MASH. Hey, (laughs) Don, can I borrow your shaver? (laughs) Catch Hans and Scotty every day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. With a little extra time on your hands, it's time to talk about what we're doing to kill time. What did you watch last night with DJ and PK on 975-1280 the zone in the Zone Sports Network? Too much time on my hands. Too much time on my DJ and PK is brought to you by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. What were you watching this weekend? You know, PK, I told you I saw a little bit of a uh, hour-long documentary on Vince Lombardi. The uh, the uh, I think the Washington year, the Redskin year. He was he was a coach at the Packers, and you know, five NFL titles and two Super Bowls. And then for one year, he was just the GM. And then for one year, into Washington, and was trying to turn around a team that had like fourteen straight losing seasons. And he coached the one year, and then he got cancer, and he died right before the next season kicked off. And I'd seen a little bit of it, and you know those things often replay, and I got to see it from start to finish. Uh, it, it was really good. You know, and Vince Lombardi's this name, and I heard my dad say it, but I have no memory of that. I mean, he died in 1970, so I, I don't have any memory. And to see the, the, uh, the old-time video, a lot of interview, press conference stuff with him, and the way players talked about him, players who played for him for one year 
were speaking of him in these just reverential tones and tearing up. I mean, he had a he had a real real impact on those guys. Good. Glad you enjoyed it. Yep. And then I watched golf. Ah, uh, two foot putts spinning around the cup and coming right back at you. Hackers like us do that. Amateurs do that. Not used to seeing it on the PGA Tour, but every once in a while it rears its head. Oh, I thought it reared its head frequently. Xander Shoffley. Yeah! Yeah, he's had that issue. He's had a couple of tournaments within his grasp and let it slip away. It's hard to do, man. Uh, you look at Tony Finau last year down in Phoenix, had that thing in his grasp, and it slipped away. You see anything good this weekend? Watch any movies, any shows? No, I didn't watch any movies. You're going to be hard-pressed to get me to watch any movies in the summer, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> I'm not starting a movie at 10, and I'm outdoors till 10 because it's still light. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. I, I rarely, I can't recall the last movie I watched at home. Uh, but uh, I did watch the golf, and then I watched that thing on Sammy Sosa and McGuire last night, or whatever they call those things, those documentaries. And, uh, you know, it's a, Seemed like Mark McGuire was moved, almost moved to tears uh, when he was talking about it. And then I just, I just don't view those dudes as bad dudes. Yeah, they cheated, but cheating, if cheating is allowed, is it cheating? <laughs> when you look at it, I mean, what were the? Everything was so blurred back then. Uh, so for me, Mark McGuire, he did what he did. Uh, you know, he hit 49 home runs when he was a rookie, I think. And so he was a home run hitter, and he wasn't near as big, but obviously that he got bigger and got stronger and was just hitting them out in outrageous rates, and, you know, it's fraudulent. But at the same time, man, you know, it's, it, it, I think somebody said, uh, one of the guys, I don't remember if it's Costas. Costas seems to be a baseball historian speaking of, well, so-and-so player back in the day didn't use them. Well, they weren't available. And how do you know they wouldn't have used them? <laughs> so uh, I, I just don't view these people as evil. Now, the ones who repeatedly lie about it, that's another story. Not that they're evil, but it seems so stupid to just repeatedly lie about it over and over when the numbers are just so obvious that why bother doing that? Come clean. And the folks who have come clean, I think that people who are interested in baseball have ceremoniously... He's not literally because they're not in the position to do it literally, but ceremoniously, they've forgiven them. And it's like it's okay. At least we, I understand it, and it's hard for me to just render judgment that is condemning them because who knows would have done, who would have done what when given that opportunity, and who knows who did what. There you, know, you go. You still, Boom. you still insist that Albert Pujols use steroids. I think a lot of people have gotten away with a lot of stuff. And I think the steroids, at it, it, the uh, high level, yes, uh, pool holes, I think Brady Anderson, I mean, he had that one season, he hit like Nobody cares about Brady 58 Anderson. homer. Okay, but he got away with it. 
I mean, I, I nobody get cares. It. I get it. He doesn't have the <laughs> same level of fame. But you're talking about who got away with what. And I think we both believe there are guys who would have been stuck or double or triple A who got to a major league roster or a guy 22. We can never name them, but they got you know whatever time they yeah, got. But in the nobody big cares about them. Baseball's about numbers. It's about the 70 home runs, the yep. 61 home runs. Those folks who took those numbers, you didn't have 58 home runs all you want. Nobody cares. So Brady Anderson, he's not being interviewed. There's going to be no documentary on him. It doesn't matter. It is the folks that broke what we view as treasured records if you're into the sport. They're the ones that are being viewed as bad. Bobby Barry Bonds and, and Clemens being able to rack up all these incredible numbers, Hall of Fame numbers, and Palmero doing his thing with uh, the number of hits that he had and those types those are the players that we care about and if they came out and said yeah i did it uh, but they weren't what what were the what were they doing that was illegal because what was legal and what was illegal what was wrong and right maybe but what was once you throw in legal then the opposite of that obviously is illegal and what was illegal well, I haven't seen the feds come for him, so it comes down to more wrong and right in baseball rules as opposed to right. legal and yes. illegal. And those are important, for sure. And I think that's what McGuire was saying, and he was saying that he regrets doing it. He made a mistake, but it was, to, to an extent, it was like it was an allowable mistake. It was, to a degree, an understandable mistake. DJ and, P- DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Coming up in the 8 o'clock hour, Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio, to recap the Charles Schwab Challenge. And uh, some of the numbers we were talking about earlier in the show, billion dollars. Oh, it's more than a billion dollars. It's multi-billion, PK. We'll tell you about that next. Stay with us.